welcome to the Forge Leadership Podcast. This week we go digging for leadership diamonds as we interview Jody Wainwright, a director of Boodles, the British fine jewellery firm. Well, welcome to the Forge Leadership Podcast. Today, I'm joined by Jody Wainwright. Jody is a director of Boodles, uh, the fine jewelry company, the British fine jewelry uh, company. Uh, many may of you may have seen their shops um, in Harrods or on New Bond Street, um, or in the Savoy, or in Chester or Liverpool. And uh, uh, Jody, you're joining me from Liverpool today. Is that right? I am. I'm in my office on a rather wet day. <laughs> Fantastic. Well, let's start off with you telling us a little bit about yourself and about Boodles and how does one become a director of a fine jewellery company? I'm really interested to know that. Oh, thank you, Simon. I've been in the business for some 17 or so years. It's a family business. Uh, it's in my family. So I'm actually the sixth generation of Wainwrights in the business. And um, I started off in the church on leaving school actually so I was working for the church for four years and little crossroads whether I get ordained uh, or not and I felt actually maybe I should just have a look at business for a year and then come back to ordination <laughs> or something else and, and, a, and a year in the business kind of sold it sold it to me that this is where I'm meant to be yeah so uh, I've been doing this for as I say 17 years and uh, and love it yeah absolutely in the place I think I'm meant to be Brilliant. So for those who don't know about Boodles, tell us a little bit about the company. It's been going quite a while, hasn't it? Yes, it has. Well, actually, this year is 220 years for us. And uh, 1798, we, we kicked off. It, the history is perhaps not checkered in a bad way, but there was we, were, we had our own jewellery company, H. Wainwright & Sons, which my, you know, going back six generations, grandfather started. And then uh, we, we kind of took over Boodle and Dunthorne in the early 1900s. They were competitions. It was a bit of a strange thing to do. But we, uh, we've got through a couple of wars, or a few wars, and um, a few challenges uh, along that quite long history. And really the last 30 years, we've developed more into a brand, if you like, uh, still a very long way to go, but we moved from just being a provincial jeweller uh, at that time with Liverpool, where we started, then Chester, my grandfather, opened in the 60s, uh, and then uh, Manchester. And my uncle, who is now the MD, went to London 30 years ago, and we now have five, six actually, just opened a new shop in London, uh, six shops down there. So, we're, you know, we're retailers, but we design in-house. We've got four wonderful designers and we make all of our jewelry in-house. Uh, we don't actually own the workshops, but we effectively subcontract, I think, most of the work for the two workshops that we predominantly deal in. And, and yeah, as I say, we, 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 you know, we are retailers, so we're very much at the, uh, at the front end or the last stage of a diamond's journey. Fantastic. Now, uh, you specialise in, in looking out for great diamonds and great jewels yourself that's part of your role isn't it so uh, tell us about that and that side because that sounds really interesting uh, what does that involve you in and what do you get involved in as you uh, seek to get the best fine jewelry out there for your customers yeah it's a role that I think probably started when I was about eight or nine with my father he would come home <laughs> and show me open his briefcase and say what do you think the weight of this stone is what do you think of that ruby how do you think of this sapphire and so I kind of grew up hearing hearing about without a great passion for but certainly an awareness and it was it was sort of normal for us to be around uh, gemstones you know it's what we do and 
So since I've been in the business and I've started on the shop floor, worked my way through, done various things, uh, and it's really the last 10 years I've been doing what I really love. I suppose 50% of my time is taken up with sourcing of our diamonds and our precious gemstones. And that really is, uh, you know, it, it is glamorous and it's not glamorous at the same time. There are moments, like in any job, you know, there's trips to Hong Kong and, and Antwerp or New York, uh, etc. But there's often, it's a lot of it's done on the phone. Um, but what's really lovely about that role is it's all relationship. So the people we buy from, we've selected very carefully, many of them we've known for many, many years. And there are a close-knit group of key relationships. For example, next week, uh, Saul from New York, who supplies a lot of our Ashoka-cut diamonds. That's a particular shape for a diamond. Gorgeous stone. And he comes over with his wife, wants to have supper with Kirsty and I. And it's an, you know, it was at his daughter's wedding last year. We're, we're good friends. I mean, he's 60 years old and I'm just past 40. There's a gap there and it's a business, <laughs> it is a business relationship. But it's, there's lots of friendships within what looks like a very exciting world of diamonds actually is people uh, and it's stories and it's relationships that drives what is a unique product. No, no question. Now, on your website, it says that, you know, when you see a good diamond, it's a bit like falling in love. Um, tell me a little bit of, of, about that. You know, what do you look for in a stone? Um, and what, what, what excites you when, when you see something which you know is going to excite the people that you're, you're selling to? Well, let me just say, first of all, we've got three great ladies in our PR team who write those uh, <laughs> comments. So much as I prove it and I give my key points, they put it in their language. So it is a bit like falling in love again, looking at a diamond that you really love. But, um, you know, it's not, not quite on the same level as my falling in love with my wife, Kirsty. So let's clear that one up. <laughs> it's good to have that clear. You know, what is, what is exciting, though, is when you see, and I remember hearing a very different story of, uh, but a similar um, theme running through. How does one spot a false £10 note? And actually the best training for that is to look at real £10 notes all day long and then suddenly you come across one that isn't real and you, you see the difference. Diamonds, not to say real diamonds are not real diamonds, but when you've got so many diamonds that you're looking at, they're all beautiful. But actually when you see a really good one in a rather uh, reverse role to the £10 note, you actually... You, it jumps out at you. And you open diamonds uh, when I'm on a buying trip there in little briefcases, like a, an envelope, a small paper envelope they come in. And I'll be going through them and the certificate before I look at the stone tells you one part of the story. So I know what to expect. And you look at a stone and think, that's lovely, that's lovely. Ooh, that is really lovely. And it's just the sort of X factor. It's finished like a beautiful piece of furniture. It's just been crafted well. The material is bright. Uh, it's got the same certificate as that stone, but somehow it just speaks volumes compared to that stone. There's just something about it which, the way it's finished, uh, you know, it's a lovely stone. So, yeah, you get an eye for, and then that's my opinion as well, of course. You know, I, I've acquired my own, you know, preferences and shapes of stones, etc. But uh, it's, it's an exciting experience. Fascinating. Now, um, you talked about, uh, you know, going into the church to work for the church originally and, and then coming out of it and starting your leadership journey in Boodles through um, being on the top floor and, uh, uh, and, then, and then moving up. Uh, what have you learned about leadership on that journey and how have you been shaped as a leader? Did you always know you were a leader or, or is that something that's come in, in later life, really? 
No, I, I became a Christian when I was 19, and I started then hearing an awful lot of things about leadership. And I think I probably felt, other than feeling wonderful about knowing Christ, that really one area that I'm struggling with is knowing, am I a good leader? You know, what am I leading? Leaders need people to follow them. So who's following me? And at various stages in my life, I've not really had people following me. So, you know, you can't be much of a leader if people are not following you. And yet at the same time, we are called, I believe, all of us actually, as Christians to be leaders, definitely. We have a message that people have to follow. It's the most important message that anyone will ever hear. So it makes every Christian a leader, has to be. Uh, at the same time, there are good leaders and bad leaders, and I think I could probably write more about where I've not been a good leader than I could about where I have been. Okay. <laughs> um, and I think part of my biggest challenge, if you're asking how that's developed, has probably been in the area of being quite task-focused. You know, I have an opinion of things quite quickly, um, <clears throat> quite often wrong, um, but I believe things quite passionately, and, and I'm quite passionate as a person. So I find it hard to listen to other opinions, or I have done. I, I think I'm, I've realised now that that is something. There is a blind spot, and it's, it's no longer a blind spot, if you like, and a, a work in progress. But you know, listening to people is definitely one thing. I don't always have the right answer, and given that nature in me. I've had 17, 18 years in the business. I've seen where I've been wrong a number of times. And it does make you reflect because I'm still in a position of leadership. So I have to correct it. I have to learn from it. Um, you know, usually issues to do with staff who are going to come good or not. And there's a difficult decision there. There's a question of patience, uh, waiting, being absolutely fair. Uh, and I, in the past, just jumped in and made a decision about people a bit too soon and realized, gosh, people can come good. And actually, quite often with the right support, they do come good. So, which is a good thing in business because it's much easier to uh, to work on people you have than to go out plucking in out of thin air the, 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 somebody who's going to be excellent. It tends not to happen that way. So, conveniently, I've learned to listen to people. Yeah, it's often the hard moments, isn't it, where we're faced with difficult decisions and where we make bad decisions and we have to then i call them the dark nights of the soul really where we we then have to get back up and live out again <laughs> um that shape us and inform for inform who we are what are the kind of values and beliefs that you would say you have as a a leader that you try and and uh live out on a daily basis and that impact your decisions and the way that you make decisions in the business well, I think I probably said one or two of them just then, but certainly developing my listening skills, my pastoral approach, um, <clears throat> you know, more of an evangelist if it was to be in a different world than the business one, than a, a pastor. So developing that, I think really for me, it's the, the value placed on people that I've learned. Uh, and I think I always, you know, of course, you, you know, people is the whole point and not a, a means to an end. Um, but actually, I now re- I do think I, I realised that, and I probably hadn't realised that. So it's not just about getting the job done. It's about the people that you have along the way that matter. Um, and people can improve. That's, that's really a key one for me. And, and how have you kind of worked on that, I suppose, in, in your daily life? I was talking to a coach recently, and they were saying, you know, often with leaders at, at your kind of level, it's about... Uh, relearning the soft skills, relearning the engagement with people's lives and the things that matter 
to them. Would you say that that's true? And in, in, and and how how do you work that out on a daily basis? What does that look like? You know, I think when I when I do pray for specific people in our company, is 110, so it's not that many. I you get God's heart for them. I can't shortcut the art. Yeah, this is really for me the key, which is to see people as as God sees them. And when I do that, it changes your heart, softens, or you know, and it prompts you to ask more questions than you might ordinarily. Or if you're racing around a bit with lots going on, it calms me down. So I think actually, prayer. I'm never going to get away from the fact that prayer is the starting point for me. Um, the second thing is that there's three other family members in the business with me, and I'm a director. My cousin's a director. But my father's chairman and his 10-year younger brother, my uncle, is now the MD. So there's a jolly good sounding board. Um, and the learning, how, how do I learn? By actually listening to them. And, you know, we've got a situation at the moment, which I can't go into, but quite an awkward uh, predicament that I'm, I'm in, which I'm handling. But I'm not on my own. I'm very fortunate that there are three others. I can say, look, this is where it's at. Um you know, it'll affect all of us, the outcome. It's not major, but it's quite an important uh, situation. Uh, and so just hearing and thinking, okay, well, three of them all think vaguely that that thought um, or have that sentiment towards this. I'm in the storm. If I was to get out of the storm, I'd probably be thinking like they are. So they're probably right on balance. Um, and so, you know, there's that lovely ability just to step back by listening to people that are also batting for boodles in the same way that I am but they're they're decent people they're good people uh, and quite balanced and with more experience than me now lots of people that I talk to find it very hard to actually live out their Christian faith in the, in, in in a secular workplace and I'm sure in in a company like boodles you know you're interfacing with people who have faith and no faith um, clients and customers um, in in various different ways H- how do you keep your faith sharp and focused in that kind of context and 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 what gives you the the boldness and courage i suppose to to live that out and to say that you can pray for god's heart for people in in a very secular context um the first thing is knowing i'm called to the the job i'm doing and i won't go into it now but there's been a couple of times we, we took time out of the business my wife and family and i went to do a ywam dts uh, five months out of the business um, at an opportune time when we left Ireland uh, in 2009 to say, Lord, is it really still what you want? Now, I was hoping the answer was going to be yes, um, but I wasn't sure. And I think my Kirsty, you know, was, was pretty lacking in a husband that was really with her. I think I was busy building the business in Ireland, set up a new shop. Um, we had young kids and she was exhausted. And, uh, you know, I wasn't at my best. So she was hoping the answer would be no. I was hoping the answer would be yes, because I love it. <laughs> the, Lord clearly, the Lord clearly called us both to carry on. So the first thing I think is, is you know, that we are called to be in this business. Therefore, there's a confidence to to do what I'm called to do. Now, your question is, is how do I keep sharp? I can revert back to that, that calling. Um, I, I think there's plenty of challenges that one faces in a business like ours, not only the, the sort of greed and the gluttony attached to the, the top end of society, people buying things that they probably don't need. But at the same time, my view is God's put them in the ground. God's given us these beautiful things. The Bible talks about them within reason and context of, of people's lives. It, it's a blessing. Um, but it is a challenge. It really is. And I, I feel for me, it's been uncompromising 
in certain aspects. You know, there's tax-related uh, integrity. Customers, it seems the one that some customers get, the more they feel they don't need to pay taxes that they should. Uh, and I stand very um, firmly, you know, in the, in, the, in the boat that we pay what we pay, and otherwise we can't do the deal. And there have been plenty of, uh, there's been a few significant deals that I've had to walk away from because, you know, because because of tax-related issues that we'd have been fine with, and I think probably most other jewellers would have done it, grey areas, but um, they're not grey to me if my conscience isn't playing up. Um, so those sorts of things keep me sharp. But yeah, just uh, I think when I do pray for our business and for my, uh, for my people within the business, I get God's heart for it and doors open, you know, that, that wouldn't have opened otherwise. So prayer is probably the main the main thing for me. That's fabulous. And I know that'll be a great encouragement to um, other leaders and particularly younger leaders who are setting out on their their leadership journey. As you're seeking to raise up um, younger leaders, w- what do you look for um, in the character and the competence? <laughs> passion, okay. Uh, wh- why, why passion? Passion speaks of, you know, we talk about hiring on attitude, not, not aptitude. Um, you know, the, the, the ability often follows with our best people. And we're looking for people who are good with people, people actually who love people and, and enjoy their company. Those are our best salespeople. Um, you, you know, I go around our shops telling our salespeople, nobody needs a piece of jewelry. You need a car, a house or, you know, in this society. And depending on your means, you'll go, you know, what you can afford. But actually, jewelry is at the, the end of the list. No one needs it. It's the add-on, which actually is our biggest strength. Because it's all about feel good. It's about, you know, someone who's worked jolly hard and he wants to treat his wife off the back of selling his business. Uh, you know, to me, I think that is a really nice thing. And we're there to make that experience for them, celebrate it with them, enjoy their company. And to do that, you need to be good at listening. You've got to ask questions. You've got to remember their, their names, their children's names, perhaps. If they go on a holiday that they, how was the holiday last September when they do pop back in the following year? show an interest and so i think people who've got passion for jewelry and passion for people they tend to do quite well in in boodles yeah and do you find that's quite rare i mean do you have to look really hard to find people who understand that business is about building relationships business is about people business is about getting to know and understand the various characters that you're working with and their their differences and their joys and their diversity I, do you find it difficult to find people who who have those kind of skills i think often like, i think most people have clearly some people are very extrovert and not we're not all the same but i think most people have passion it just comes out in different ways and in, in, in different on different levels for us we probably need people who are passionate on an extrovert level they're good at talking they, they've got something to say uh, they're interested in life so they can talk to our customers about what's going on in the papers they're not just trying to sell a piece of jewelry they're trying to create a relationship and authentically so they've got to be an extrovert can we find them easily um, I think there's a lot of people who are extroverts out there and often life's beating them up a bit um, and we're not into, into the business of counselling people, but actually in a roundabout way, I suppose we do. We we come alongside ourselves, but we know them all. And I, I like to think, our, I think, I mean, I know our, our, our people enjoy working for us. They enjoy the way they're treated. We treat them well. We pay them well. Um, we're, you know, compassionate. And 
I think all of those things help people just to feel wanted and to feel respected and to feel loved. And off the back of that safety net is, it, you know, comes a passion actually and comes a rising up and a, and a confidence. People feel secure, so they're able to express themselves, which is a, the form that we're after. Fantastic. Now, how has the Bible shaped your leadership? Are there particular verses that um, really, you know, are at forefront of mind when we talk about leadership and, and, and the role in the workplace? Because I've talked to many Christians who, who find it quite hard to apply the Bible to the, work, to the workplace. So what is it from Scripture that kind of informs the way that you lead and your values and your beliefs? Yeah, I, I love the Bible. I was at Bible school for two years uh, when I shortly after became a Christian, and it was a very precious time. I feel, I mean, I read the Bible thoroughly and still remember scriptures picking them out of thin air. You know, I, I, they're just sort of in me. I do love the Word. And I find one that gives me, I think, to be a good leader, you've got to know who you are before God and that he is your boss and, and your boss loves you. Um, and he's your father, he's your dad. And Psalm 139 is a psalm I've memorized years ago. And, and I love just the sense that God is absolutely with us. He knows us intimately before we speak. He knows before we get up. He knows um, before we were born, knitted together in our mother's with all of that. So I feel for a leader, actually, whilst it doesn't talk about going out and getting people like Paul might do later on in Romans, he or Hebrews, but he... Uh, that psalm is one which just establishes a man or woman. And I think we've got to be established to be able to lead people. We've got to know who we are. And of course, then who we are in Christ. And I think Ephesians 1 and 2, you know, I don't know how many times it says in him in Ephesians 1, but, you know, the the message there is we are in him. Um, And so there's that sense of of just being part of something and and we're called by this, this kingdom and we have this authority behind us to do all things, um, you know, all things are possible. Um, yeah, I mean, I, 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 I wouldn't know quite how to be more <laughs> more specific, but... Um, no, that's fantastic. And there's a massive security in that, isn't there? Being able to lead out of knowing who you are and knowing who you are in Christ and knowing who you are established in Him. Well, just the current stage of Boodle, six generations in, we've been very much micromanaging our way through. So we've gone from three shops to 10 in, in, in the last 30 years. Uh, we've had quite quick growth. And with that comes a lot of infrastructure growth and different new roles, departments, job descriptions. Um, I I feel a bit like Moses' situation where his father-in-law said, look, you need more people to help you. You're carrying the can here. And my father has done run the business as he should have done, uh, but absolutely on everything and in everything. And I feel a little bit like Moses's advice, we need more senior people. You can't take your eye off the ball. You need to know what's going on in your business if you're going to be running it. So you can't abdicate responsibility, which some people who delegate would do. But I think delegating certain areas, we could grow in that. For, for, for my company where I'm at, it's, it's knowing who are the people that really carry the vision of this business, that have integrity, that perhaps have the, the, the passion to drive it in the way that we would choose and one reason we've not franchised the business out and, and expanded that way is because we don't feel people will replicate how we do business. We like being at our parties. We like knowing our customers. We like being involved with our shops in their events. Uh, so, you know, on the one hand, we've got the Moses problem, but we've also got to grow with it and find people that can take the vision you know, for us in a broader way. So Moses is pretty helpful. 
Yeah, and you can't do those things too quickly, can you, really, if you're going to establish the core values of the organization? You need people who who get that and have the passion, as you say, and also are, are trustworthy to do that for you. I, I think, Simon, my um, experience and what I've seen from my, my father and my uncle is growing your own wood is critical in any business. Knowing, bringing people up who go the journey with you and, and that has to, because they get it, they, you know, they see it, they become part of it. Buying, for us, if you like, and rather contrive, buying someone in on a senior level. It works in football, but it doesn't tend to work in, in, in boodles. Um, you know, we need people who, who get our way, have our DNA in them, how we run the business, how we like to treat our customers, what's our little system. So, yes, it takes time. You're dead right. Brilliant. Well, Jody Wainwright, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today. I'm going to look in the Boodles window with more interest as I go into London this afternoon and <laughs> walk down New Bond Street. And uh, I know that many of our listeners will just be so encouraged to hear of the biblical foundations that you have in your life and the way that you're living out your your faith um, in in a top end retail uh, jeweler. So, Jody, thanks so much for joining us today. It's my pleasure. Thanks ever so much. Thanks for listening. More jewels next week as we interview the man responsible for a global network of outdoor activity centres. Don't miss an episode by making sure you subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn or SoundCloud or wherever you get your podcasts. And don't forget that we love your feedback. Email us at hello at forge-leadership.com or follow us on Twitter or Facebook.